0: Hey, do I have a podcast for you today? I have this episode, um, Fast Tracking Your Healing. Now, when you go through something, we know that there's no shortcut. There's no um, secret highway around it. You have to go through it. But if you're intentional and if you understand your needs and you are ready to make the choices, there are ways fast track your healing. There are ways to, to sail through and actually come out the other side healthier than you started. Last week, we talked about choices and how just making that choice to heal starts a chemical reaction in your brain. Well, today I'm talking about a tool that really blew open my healing process and was able to help me target the areas that I needed to focus on first. So listen in. Hi friend, I am so excited that you're here to check out Her Restored Spirit Podcast. If you've gone through something that has left you broken-spirited, maybe it's a divorce, loss of a spouse, or even a child, loss of a job, whatever it is, I know there is restoration in your future. I'm a widowed mom, and I remember what it feels like to emerge from the fog to discover that my loss is not the center of my story, but it actually instilled in me a new hope a new understanding of faith and a new strengthening in my heart, soul, and motherhood. I have finally understood that God has taken my test and formed it into my testimony, and that's why I'm here with you. I want you to step into your purpose, into a newfound joy, and to turn a new page in your book because I believe you are on the brink of full restoration, unlocking a confidence that you didn't know was inside you and understanding how to live more fruitfully with purpose, joy, and permission to be washed in possibility. It's time, friend, to reclaim your restored spirit. Hey, and welcome back to Her Restored Spirit podcast. My name is Tammy, and I'm your host. And what I have for you today is we are diving in to the second piece of Fast Track Your Healing. Now, like I said in the last episode, a lot of people, and even myself, we talk about how there's no shortcuts to healing there's no shortcuts through grief there's no shortcuts through any kind finding your confidence or your um, identity the only way to go get over it is to go through it and even then you never actually get over it you move forward with it you find out what now So what I have for you, and we talked about last session, last week, we talked about how you have the power of choice and how that choice and then in a small quick action right after it can propel you because we get to choose whether we stay where we are or we move forward. Our brains are going to want to just stay where we are, no matter how much pain and how much we want to move or want something different. If we don't choose it, our brains automatically will stay where we are. And then even if we choose it, our brains will put up blocks and breaks and things. And we'll talk more about what we can do to overcome those next week. But for this week, I want to talk to you about one of the tools that I found that changed the way I healed that really did give me tools, give me opportunities, make healing visible to me. And I really think that it will help you as well. I really think that a lot of times fear is what stops us from growing. It stops us from moving and it stops us from doing and and getting what we want. And again that's our brain breaks our brain wants to keep us safe not successful and fear is the way to do that and i don't know about you but i feel like the last couple of years the entire world has been run from fear fear to make decisions fear to leave the house fear to travel fear to you know if you're losing your job fear of starting a new opportunity there's been so much fear that I think that this area is something that we really need to highlight and look at and be aware of. And this tool I'm going to share with you is one of the best ways to really get to the heart of your fears. Now, if you listen to the podcast anytime before, you're probably thinking, oh, yes, it's going to be the Enneagram. And you're right, because the Enneagram at its core feature talks about your core motivations and your core fears and core desires. And the reason why I like using this is because it gives you a a valuable picture of what your core motivations are. The other thing it does is it does not allow you to stay stuck there. It doesn't allow for you to say, well, that's just how I am. There's nothing else for me. The whole point of it is for you to move through your growth path and your convergence path. You have your wings that add salt and pepper and flavor to your, your personality already, to those core motivations. It doesn't allow you to stay where you are. It encourages you to get out of the box that you've closed yourself into and see it from a different perspective. See why you do what you do. See why others do what they do. And why this tool fast-tracks your healing in particular. Well, I think C.S. Lewis said it best that a lot of times grief looks like fear. Sometimes we sit in grief so long, those fears take over and we don't even realize it. Those fears, and when you go through something traumatic, your core fears become realized and become, well, they, they, they happen. They're no longer irrational because they are true. They still don't get to control you. They don't get to decide for you how you're going to respond or react unless you allow it. Those fears, they will take over and they will be like, you know what? Sit right there. I got this. Nothing else bad will happen to us as long as you let me stay in charge. And until you become aware of what fears are actually ruling you, it's really hard to combat them. It's really hard to respond to them. It's really hard to make a different choice if you don't even know the beast you're going up against. And this is why when I started studying the Enneagram, it really changed how I looked at myself and how I looked at my healing. And I went from just throwing darts and trying different things to actually having a path. I knew I what I was looking for. And then from there, I could go to the Bible. I could go to my friends. I could go to counseling and I knew what I needed. I knew that I needed something more than just a an idea of what grief looks like, or I needed to know more that of how it affected me, rather than just a "how are you feeling right now." I wanted something more than just journaling questions that reach for different areas. I wanted something focused. I wanted to address really what was going on in my heart and my head, and so. The Enneagram gave me that. I was able to find questions based on my core fears, my core motivations, what I lost when I lost my husband. And I recognized the part that he played in my life. I also saw where I really needed Jesus to show up. I saw where I really needed to focus and allow him to work in my life. And funny enough, but understanding your core fear will help you understand your grief, will understand the direction that you need to start in, because it doesn't give you everything. I mean, it's a tool. It's a man-made tool. This is not something that's end-all, be-all, the only thing you'll ever need. But when we know better, we can do better. When we know what is ruling our hearts and minds, we know how to combat it. We know how to address it. We know where to give ourselves grace and where, um, well, we know specific prayers that we can take to God and have Him answer. We know where to go and keywords to go and find specific scripture, or we could go and talk to friends. And use vocabulary that really speak to our hearts. The flip side of that is if you have a friend in grief and you know what number they are, if you know, if you have a friend who's trying to heal and let's face it, everyone's trying to heal something. We're all going through hard things. We're all, I mean, we're all coming out of this pandemic and I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that we're coming out of it yet. I, I think that they're trying to Keep it still as long as possible. But we're all healing from something. We all need to address fear. And by doing that, we empower ourselves to live the life that we really want. To be able to go from loss to life. And and again, I don't just mean grief as in loss of a loved one if you under if you lose your job your core fear is going to be like girl i got you i know what we need to do we will sit here we will sit tight and we will just we'll just wallow if you lose your identity the same thing it's that fear that takes over and so it's important it, and i mean fear is what i i believe and i can't don't quote me but I'm pretty sure it's one of the most talked about concerns in the Bible how we should not fear, how God is with us. And if God's with us, who can be against us? And, you know, with all things, with prayer and supplication, we go to God. That fear does not help us in any way. The antidote to fear is faith. And if you know the areas where you can focus in faith, then you know what areas you can set down fear intentionally. So I'm going to talk a little bit today about each of the numbers and how fear may be addressed in your healing, may be addressed through your grief, and just something to consider when you are trying to heal, when you are trying to get through this grief life, this raw pain, because like I've said, once grief is a part of you, you, it never really leaves you. You may avoid it, you may mask it, but it's still part of the decision-making process. It's still part of your story and your testimony and all of the things. It's still very much a decision-maker in your life whether you acknowledge it or not. But a lot of times acknowledging it, bringing it to your forefront, bringing it to your attention, recognizing where you're deciding or you're allowing fear to to decide versus what you really want. And so that's what this tool does. It helps you to recognize. So we'll start with type eight. Type eight is the challenger. If you're a type eight, you're already skeptical. You're already protective. And then the worst happens. You experience fear. And all of a sudden, that deep-rooted emotional need and fear to, of, well, the fear of being weak and powerless and, and vulnerable and manipulated and left at the mercy of injustice, Consider how your grief can help you sink into those feelings, how you feel like those are the ones that have taken over. And then your desire of protecting yourself and those in your inner circle, well, especially if you've lost a loved one, all of a sudden, that realm that you were responsible for, you were not able to protect them. So how do you respond? Do you say, okay, well, God's got this and I don't need to protect anyone else. Or do you sink deep in and try to protect yourself and your family more and your inner circle more? And so explore how fear or how grief can morph into fear and morph into feeling like you're not doing enough to protect yourself that you're weak because these emotions of the loss have taken over. Then there's type 9 who they want the, they want the peace. And they want the, the their desire is to have this inner stability and peace of mind and grief. There is no peace of mind. Everything that was peaceful fell. Whether you've lost a job, whether you lost uh, your identity or your confidence, or you've lost a loved one. That piece that you were building now lost a lost its footing and your fear of being in conflict, tension or discord, feeling shut out, losing connection and relationship with others, bam, right there. The loss, even if you lose some of yourself, which nines are really good at, you've also lost the connection with others. If you've lost a loved one, your core fear was just realized. So how could grief turn into a really intense fear? And how could it stop your healing if you don't recognize that that's really what's going on? Type one, now this is, this is me. This is why this is what changed and fast-tracked my healing. Because when I figured out what was going on, when I figured out what my fears were, my grief kind of opened up and I realized that my grief was through the lens of this one. And being good, balanced, accurate, virtuous and right. Not only did I lose my loved one, but now I have to get life right. As a parent, as a, an adult, here I am, my world, my foundation that I built, and what was right in theory, all of a sudden crumbled down. Everything that I built my foundation on, all of the right things that I have done. The other thing that to look at when you're at core longings the, you are good that ones need to hear. My husband was an encourager. Now, he did it from a, a view of an eight. So it was very like, well, of course you're going to do this. Why wouldn't you? You've got this. But I learned to depend on that. Probably more than I should have. Probably, I mean, I God should fill these first. But by realizing that I lost my... Second source, my, my earthly source of encouragement, that's when my fears went intense. And I had to depend on myself to tell me that I was good, that I wasn't wrong, that I wasn't evil, that I wasn't inappropriate, even though trying to parent two kids is really hard and you don't know. So fear did take over and I would overly try to do what's right. And you can see how that fear can control my grief. Now let's talk to, about type twos. Their core fear of being rejected and unwanted. Well, in grief, boom, that's what it is. Is All of a sudden, you're rejected. Whether it was a death. Or again, like I said, grief is not only the death of the lost one, it could be loss of identity, loss of a job, of a dream, of a friendship, of your identity and your confidence. Something could have happened, some loss in your life, and then all of a sudden, your desire to be appreciated, loved, and wanted, however you were getting that, fell. And that foundation broke. And when your person dies, the person who you depended on to tell you you were wanted and loved, you can see how all of a sudden that, that fear has been realized and it comes to fruition. It comes to reality. And then now you have to build a new decision-making path A new, you have to find new ways and you can see how grief can turn into an intense fear. Type three, being exposed or thought as incompetent, efficient, or worthless. Having high status and respect, being admired, successful, and valuable. That's your the core desire, is having you know respect and being admired. Well, chances are the life that you've built got you those things, got you those desires. Your core need, core longing of being loved, simply for being you all of a sudden is not like that that all of that that you built disappears gone and then you have to rebuild your foundation you have to go through and see how this grief turns into that intense fear so you have to ask yourself what now What do I need to do in order to get that foundation again, to get that feeling? And this is where, again, you can go to scripture. You go to wise counsel. You go to your friends and let them know, I really need to feel love for just simply who I am. They will most likely tell you that you already are. And so embrace that and and allow that to grow a new path to grow a new foundation and become stronger because now you identify that that's what you need and you can search for it specifically. Type four is the romantic individualist and they, they fear being inadequate, emotionally cut off, plain, mundane. They, they value being, they, they desire being unique and special. What if that one thing that gave you that disappeared? You were seen and loved for exactly who you are, special and unique. You had a job that really highlighted those aspects of you, and you were able to shine. You had a confidence in something that you were doing, and it disappears. Your loved one was really good at showing you how unique and wanted and special and authentic you are. And they leave through a divorce or separation or they die and you no longer have that. How can that grief turn into this intense fear and how can you strive, recognize how the decisions you make, you're going to try to get back to that homeostasis, that harmony. And so some of the decisions you make are out of survival and out of suffering instead of out of clear thought. But when you look at grief and you look at the Enneagram, you can understand the decisions that you need to make because you know what you're looking for. We have just a couple more. Type five, type fives, they build a solid foundation of understanding. They don't want to be invaded or they they don't want to not exist. They're building a foundation of things that make them exist, that core knowledge, that energy level. They've, they get a routine, a pattern that works for them, and then they protect it at all costs because they want to hear that their needs are not a problem. When you have grief, you have needs. You have strong needs. you have Your energy drops, and poor type fives already are protective of their energy and then that grief and takes over so much energy just to survive so you can see how they slip into that intense fear for protection we don't do this we don't do any of these because it's what's right or because it's what's good it's because it's a protection it's the way we can survive because it's what our bodies know what to do. So again, you don't have to stay here. You don't have to continue the path you're going. Once you know, then you can choose differently. Just two more, type six, that feeling fear itself, being without support, security, or guidance. The desire of having security and guidance and support. The foundation they built. The devastation that they go through. When loss happens, when they go through grief, and this could be, it could be an affair as well as, you know, anything that all of a sudden their foundation, what they depended on crumbled. It could be, well, I mean, I don't want to define your loss for you. There's so many ways you get to decide that, but you also get to decide how you want to go through it. But understanding that when you go through loss and grief, you feel targeted and alone. It is right in the name. It is Grief can do that. Grief can put you into that tailspin and everything. All those Google tabs that you have open, checking for worst-case scenarios, well, all of a sudden, your worst-case scenarios happened. So now you have that fear that all of the worst-case scenarios are about to happen. And so you act accordingly, you panic, you go into planning mode, you have high anxiety about everything. That's when you got to recognize what's going on and, and that it's not true. And finally, we have type seven, the entertaining optimist who wants to have fun and be good and, and enjoy all of life experiences and wants to avoid mundane and boring and sad, wants to avoid emotions, and they don't want to miss out. And when you're in grief, you can't do anything but address these boring and mundane and limited and emotional pain that you're in. You have to face it in the mirror. You have to, and a lot of times you run from it. But again, you can't run from it. You have to run through it. And going through the Enneagram, studying the Enneagram is a really good way to see how grief is affecting you, how fear has stolen some of the, your choices from you, and what you can do in order to get back to that level that you need, how you can hear that you'll be taken care of when everything points to the fact that you're on your own now that you have to depend on yourself. And it's not fun. It's not fun to go through grief, but life can be fun again. And you may not be able to see how, so those are the nine types and just a slight, a little bit about how grief plays a part in that, how grief can, how you can use the Enneagram to fast track your healing. And again, this is one of the primary tools that. When I started focusing on this and getting serious and realizing, okay, why do I do what I do and what am I missing? What is my fear? What is my desire? What is my longing? I was able to intentionally pour into those areas of my life through scripture, through prayer, through wise counsel, through reading. I could find things that talk specifically about what my core fear was and how to combat it. I acknowledged it. I knew that I was really not acting in a way that I wanted to. I was acting in a way that protected myself and I was in a place that I didn't need to be protected anymore. I was able to step out and start acting in ways because I, I was ready. And I knew that those fears were lies, that I did not need to focus and, fun- and function through that. That, yes, it's scary at first to make those choices and you don't know what it looks like because you've never been here before, but when you understand those core needs, you can answer those and you can not not only live, but you can thrive. You can heal at such a faster rate when you know the areas that you need to heal first, that the lens that you see things through. And if you're ready to do that, are you, if you're ready to say yes to yourself and coaching is a vulnerable thing, going and telling someone I need help is not easy. It's a choice that you have to make, but if you did, what could your life look like? What could your healing look like in a few months rather than the years that it could take if you try to do it on your own, the years that it's taken already and so much of this, you know what you need, but sometimes you need someone else to point it out to you. You need someone else to encourage you. You need someone else to help you point out where you're acting in fear rather than love and kindness and faith. So if you want to say yes to yourself, and saying yes to yourself is probably one of the hardest things, hardest steps to do, reach out to me. Let's do this together. Let's not wait one more day, week, year, month, whatever, before you say yes to yourself and say yes to those around you because by healing yourself you're able to heal those around you too if you have kids and you want to show them what it's like to have a a thriving life through circumstances because we know life is is full of trials and hardships and we choose to live through them we choose to thrive through them or we choose to allow them to control us so don't make that choice to be controlled anymore. And reach out to me. You can reach out to me. There's a link in the show notes. You can go to my website. You can go to my Instagram or to my Facebook page at Tammy Coaching, And sign up for a, a call with me. Let's talk about what saying yes to you could look like. And with that, I'll see you or talk to you next week.